0: There were two more murders, 15 miles away. When police arrived, arrived they found drive. the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. Your life can change in an instant. One moment you're on top of the world, and the next, you're lying in the rubble of your crumbled life, wondering how you got there. On July 28, 1955, a man was born who had a life many little boys dream of. But one thing led to another, which led to multiple murders. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Robert Ernest Rosier was born on July 28, 1955 in Anchorage, Alaska. Because his father was a civilian specialist who worked on various Air Force bases shortly after his birth, the family relocated to Rancho Cordova, California, where Robert went on to attend Cordova High School, where he was one of the very few black students in the predominantly white school and area. Despite showing an aptitude in sports, more specifically football, Robert became a punching bag for both physical and psychological abuse at the hands of his classmates, and because of this, he, understandably, skipped quite a bit of school and began suffering academically. And when he was at school, he was known to lash out and get aggressive towards almost anyone he came into contact with, trying to protect himself from his classmates' venom. Now, while this rocky beginning hardly seems like the dream life I described in the beginning, Robert's sports prowess eclipsed his poor academics and gained him entry into Aberdeen Junior College in Washington, where he joined the local football team before earning a scholarship to UC Berkeley, where he transferred in 1974 and started playing as their defensive end. Soon, he was on top of the world. Known by all as a star player of the team, Robert became one of the most popular men on campus, gaining many friends, a number of girlfriends, and hundreds of fans. Unfortunately, while he was gaining the reputation as a stellar football player, he was also earning the reputation for being a pathological liar, a manipulator, and a pretty hefty drug user. Regardless, Robert made his way through school and, after graduating in 1979, was contracted with the Arizona Cardinals during the NFL Draft, a dream that crosses the minds of most little kids as they throw the football around their backyard. Sadly, this dream didn't last long, and after playing just six games for the team, Robert Rosier was suspended following a drug abuse conviction. When the season was over, his contract was canceled, and when no other team called him up in the 1980 season, Robert was forced to play for the Canadian Football League on the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. While in Canada and spiraling completely out of control, Robert began engaging in fraud, procuring thousands of dollars that he did not earn, and was eventually arrested and charged with 32 counts. He evaded capture, returned to the United States, and attempted to jumpstart his professional career again by playing for the Oakland Raiders for two weeks before giving up on his dream altogether and, instead, diving headfirst into the criminal lifestyle he got a taste for in Canada. Then, a chance meeting with a representative from the Nation of Yahweh Colt in the early 1980s altered the course of Robert's life one last time. One meeting turned into a few turned into a psychological and ideological treatment, and soon Robert was a full-blown member of the movement, converting to Judaism, changing his name to Nariah Israel, and advancing through the levels of the Nation of Yahweh before finally being introduced to Yahweh Ben-Yahweh himself, a self-proclaimed Messiah who had risen from the dead in order to save his American followers. Robert Rosier was now part of what they called the Brotherhood, With the help of donations, Yahweh was able to create the Temple of Love in 1982 and began a number of business ventures to earn some more capital. Soon, the Nation of Yahweh had a pretty extensive list of real estate, ranging from businesses, restaurants, shopping centers, and, of course, houses, and was able to bring several millions of dollars annually into the organization, which was necessary since the movement's member list exceeded several thousand Yahweh and the Nation of Yahweh observed the concepts of Judaism as black Hebrew Israelites, and, because of this and his extremist views, Yahweh ben Yahweh faced some accusations of being a black supremacist, racketeer, extortionist, and creating a violent and destructive cult who would behave erratically towards any dissidents. However, this didn't stop the nation from continuing to grow, and in the fall of 1986, the members of the Temple of Love acquired an entire residential complex in one of Miami's poorer neighborhoods and, armed with weapons, tried to force the residents to leave the premises, resulting in several people being sent to the hospital. Despite illegally evicting its residents, by 1986, Yahweh's cult had an estimated 300 active cult members in Miami and Dade County alone, with other groups sprinkled throughout the nation. One of those members was, of course, Robert Rozier. On October 31st, 1986, Yahweh Ben Yahweh sent orders for Robert to shoot and kill two residents of the complex. He, of course, obliged, and shot both 28-year-old Anthony Brown and 37-year-old Rudolph Broussard in the head multiple times, killing them almost instantly. It didn't take long for police to catch up to Robert, but while he sat in custody confessing to multiple murders, he also relayed to police that this wasn't his first time taking a life under Yahweh's command. In fact, he committed seven murders while in the Brotherhood, which included the stabbing of 61-year-old Raymond Kelly on September 5th, the murder of 45-year-old Cecil Branch on the 20th, and three other unnamed victims. According to his testimony, six of the seven murders were retaliatory, and the victim's white dissidents, and went on to explain that his crimes were a drop in the bucket compared to the long list of victims the cult itself had amassed since 1981. When police ran Robert's prints, during which time he listed his age as 404 years old on his arrest report, he was matched to the murders of two transients who were found dead with their ears sliced off and believed he may be involved in many more. Based on his 1990 testimony, 13 members of the nation, including Yahweh himself, were arrested and charged with 18 counts of extortion, 14 counts of murder, 2 of attempted murder, and 1 arson charge. The judge presiding over the case said that they were arguably the most violent he ever tried in a federal court with methods of killing like beheadings, stabbings, and severing of body parts. Over the course of the trial, the U.S. assistant attorney's secretary was murdered outside of her door, and a witness was run over by a train. Both deemed coincidences that, given the Colt's reach, is hard not to consider foul play. While watching her father being scrutinized in the press and in trial, Vanita Mitchell, Yahweh's daughter, went on the record with her belief that Robert Rosier was a, quote, paid liar that the government, desperate to disassemble his organization, paid Robert and others to say that Yahweh had ordered the murders, saying Robert was a murderer prior to his arrival at the Temple of Love and was simply using her father's hard work as a cover-up for his crimes, a truth that is hard to prove considering Robert wasn't the only witness against Yahweh. The Miami Herald would later report that the trial was going on for so long that Yahweh's defendants were in court reading the Bible or Machiavelli's The Prince, while Yahweh himself smiled and blew kisses at his supporters. After five days of deliberation on May 28, 1992, the jury convicted Yahweh Ben Yahweh of racketeering conspiracy, but could not find cause to convict him on the second charge, which would link him directly to the murders. Six of his followers were convicted of racketeering conspiracy, seven others were acquitted, and the jury deadlocked on the charges of two other defendants, so a mistrial was declared. As for Robert Rozier, he cut a deal with the state and was sentenced to 22 years in prison and admittance to a federal witness protection program in exchange for testifying against Yahweh Ben Yahweh. Immediately after the federal trial, the state of Florida charged Yahweh and three other defendants for the murder of Cecil Branch, with the prosecution stating that he ordered Cecil to be killed after a confrontation led to a female Yahweh being knocked down. He was stabbed to death more than two dozen times, both ears severed and found face down on the floor, bound and gagged with strips of bedsheet. The defense, of course, claimed the state's key witness, Robert Rozier, helped to build the case against Yahweh based on a foundation of lies, that, since only his fingerprints were found at the scene, this was proof that he committed the murder on his own accord and not in service of their client. On December 17, 1992, Yahweh Ben Yahweh and his three followers were acquitted, and Yahweh was sent back to federal prison to serve his 18-year sentence from his previous trial. He was paroled 10 years later in 2001, and in May of 2007, died of prostate cancer at the age of 71. Following his guilty plea and deal with the state, Robert Rozier was placed in the witness protection program under the name Robert Ramses, and served in an out-of-state federal prison until his parole in 1996. He was arrested again three years later for passing bad checks, which, at first seemed like a pretty small case as the total was only about $66. But while speaking to police about the checks, he admitted that Ramses was a name that he took under the Witness Protection Program and that before his arrest, he was an NFL football player, drug addict, and cult executioner named Nariah Israel, or Child of God. El Dorado County Police had no idea what type of man they had just picked up, but after hearing his story, upgraded his misdemeanor case to felony check fraud and tracked down a total of 29 more bounced checks worth over $2,000. Back in court, Robert's lawyers accused the state prosecutor and the police of being biased against their client only after hearing about his previous crimes, while Robert himself expressed a deep remorse for the crimes he said he committed under the brainwashing of a charismatic cult leader who made his followers seek retribution for the 400 years of persecution African Americans experienced throughout history. But, based on the provisions of the three-strike law, Robert was convicted yet again on January 13, 2001, and received 25 years to life imprisonment, longer than he was sentenced for the roles he played in at least seven murders. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on July 29th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon, or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.